Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast and getting a chance today to actually follow up on experience that I had the good fortune to be able to be a part of in person recently, and that was the Educator Shortage Summit. This is 2.0, second go around uh, for that group as we here in Nebraska, as I'm sure our colleagues are across uh, the United States really, are looking at finding innovative ways uh, to address the educator workforce challenges of the present moment. Uh, And I know that our ESU statewide have been involved in some incredible work, so much so uh, that several of our administrators were asked to be a part of a keynote session on day two to let everyone know about those opportunities that are out there that uh, have been through the great partnerships that our ESUs have been invested in. And so I'm incredibly grateful today to Molly Ashoff, who's the Assistant Administrator at ESU 8, Drew Harris, the Administrator at ESU 9, uh, and John Scretta, who's the Administrator at ESU 6, three of the five individuals who were part of that presentation, uh, for joining us on the podcast today to capture that message and share it with a broader audience. And so to Molly, Drew, and John, thank you all so much for being here, for your work, and we're looking forward to learning from you today. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. Yeah, so to get us started, I'm going to throw it to you, John. Will you kind of set the context for this? Uh, I know we're talking a little bit about NDES or dollars and thinking about the role that ESUs play with regards to really bringing all the stakeholder groups together to make efforts in this avenue possible. Speak to the grant work, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. No, thanks, Andrew. So the educator pipeline grants that we are showcasing and featuring in today's conversation with you, Andrew, are really an extension of and the result of ESUs in Nebraska being able to partner up with the Nebraska Department of Education through leveraging ESSER dollars that were allocated for that. And the backstory on this is that in the spring of 2022, the Nebraska Department of Education in partnership with NACTI, which is the Nebraska Association of colleges of teacher education convened a diverse group of stakeholders to discuss what would be the smartest, highest yield impacts and investments of ESSER three funds to address the specific challenge of educator shortage, which we know is a big challenge in Nebraska and nationally. So out of those conversations, NDE established competitive educator pipeline grants at several different threshold levels of funding, and and we'll talk a little bit about that. And then they solicited applications and awarded $1.6 million across the state to different entities in July of 2022. And we, as ESUs, have an opportunity to implement those grants and make the magic happen in support of our schools. So a little bit further illustration there of why ESUs are able to provide these sort of supports to schools. We are non-regulatory, so we exist to provide supportive and consultative assistance in both rule and statute. And and by the way, in statute, uh, ESUs have been in existence since 1965. So there's a long-standing history and tradition of educational service units in Nebraska providing supportive implementation of statewide initiatives that have been initiated by our Department of Ed 
but doing so in a way that is non-regulatory, meaning in a way that reflects consensus-based requests of our school district's greatest needs. And our schools have come to us with questions, requests, suggestions, wish lists for a variety of things related to educator shortage issues over the last several years saying, look, uh, can you guys help us out? And why are we well situated to help schools out? Because we can do so at scale. We exist regionally, educational service units in Nebraska, of which there are 17, 15 are multi-district ESUs. So we're really good at figuring out how at scale we can do things efficiently to impact the most with best practices. And these grants that you're gonna hear about addressing educator shortage are really good illustrations of those principles in action. Well, uh, with that as sort of the backdrop then, I guess, uh, let's get into the conversations about the pipeline grant and highlighting some of the efforts at the respective ESUs. And so Drew, I'm gonna ask you specific to ESU 9, uh, highlight some of the efforts there. Sure, we uh, worked on a program with our school districts in partnership with ESU 6, actually. We were working together on a separate federal grant, and uh, then the state opportunity came up, and, and we decided to go ahead and partner on that. And our program works with districts to help them grow their own future educators. I think we're all familiar with FFA and FCS and FBLA. You know, those have been around for decades. They're career and technical student organizations that were created to develop an interest and provide foundational skills in agriculture or business or consumer science. So a program that started in 2015 that people are less familiar with is Educators Rising. And that is this career and student organization to develop an early interest and provide skills for future educators. And I believe the first Educator Rising Conference in Nebraska was in 2018. And like other uh, those other student organizations, there is a state and a national competition for school districts to be involved with. Largely, it's been the bigger school districts that have been involved with that. Our goal was to try to create a model that might work for rural school districts to participate in these programs as well. One of the big components of this, and, and just like the other organizations, it's the coursework that's the key to that. The agriculture classes that develop that knowledge and interest base in FFA, you know, we have very similar coursework available for Educator Rising. Now, there is a national curriculum that Ed Rising developed on their own, but I think a strong component of what we did through this grant was create nine hours of coursework in partnership with Wayne State College that would allow students to have a curriculum that, that really reflected Nebraska ethics and, and basis uh, for education here in our state. And that coursework was developed by uh, professional development folks at ESU 9 and ESU 6. And I think it's top notch and it is dual credit available with uh, Wayne State. We worked 
originally to secure a $100,000 grant, and we were fortunate NDE was kind of in the process of trying to upscale EdRising and, and get some curriculum developed. So we were able to partner with them to, to even get uh, a little additional funding. But it's a great program. Each school district has a local lead teacher or sponsor for their program. And we did a kickoff for those people in June last summer. Had a great turnout there and awesome experience for about 18 to 20 educators that were involved with that. And then this fall, we did a kickoff for students. We have 66 students participating that are from 13 different school districts across ESU 6 and 9. And uh, boy, the energy in that room was just really exciting. It, it was a fun day. They've kicked it off. They've had their first course that they're working on this semester. And the timeline for that kind of looks like uh, we're piloting that first course right now. And then we'll pilot the second course in the spring semester of 24. And then the final course next fall. So, of course, as we pilot those new classes, there will be the repetition of the beginning classes. So there's three tier level classes. And just like the other programs, there is a capstone class. It's called Education and Training Practicum with a work-based learning experience. And the nice thing about that in schools is that work-based learning experience is just right down the hall from you. You know, I think every school district in Nebraska has some great teachers that are providing valuable lessons every day. It's just exciting to try to think that we're maybe guiding some kids toward toward that end. Oh, I absolutely love that because I think despite the fact that, well, not only current students, but most people having gone to school think that they understand how school works and what goes into the profession. Uh, and I know that folks can't see the smiles across the faces of the folks that are on the call right now because everyone here knows uh, that there's a lot more to it than that. And it is fun uh, when you have students or anyone, when you kind of peel back that curtain and really look at what goes into the design of a learning experience and uh, the thoughtfulness, all the educators apply to their craft. Uh, it is, it's cool to share. It's cool to be seen in that. Uh, and it's got to be really energizing to see young children, right? As they're, you know, still in their K-12 experience, not only getting that exposure, uh, but really having their, their eyes open to uh, the joys of the profession in that regard. Yeah, I, I think every kid's probably had an experience where they walk out of there thinking, wow, I really walked out of that with a lot. But for them to then be able to understand there was lesson planning and organization and, you know, the behind the scenes work that went into creating that awesome lesson, you know, that's powerful. And for them to develop that level of understanding as a high school kid, you know, that's just going to benefit them through their entire education and then hopefully in their career in education. Well, yes. And that is the hope, I, I believe, of all of these efforts here that we're going to get a chance to share. And so uh, I'm excited to give Molly Ashoff, who's at ESUA, a little space here as well to share uh, what this grant work has looked like in her region. Great. Thanks again, Andrew. We called our grant Empowered to Stay, and so our goal was to focus on keeping or increasing the retention of our first, second, and third year teachers in ESU 8, 
And so based on research and the data that we have, like the services we provided and listening to our schools, we kind of broke that down into two areas. One was our new teacher academy, which we had kind of gotten started. And then the other was a principal or leadership development network. And we found that we weren't probably supporting our leaders as much as we were our teachers. And so we wanted to pull them in and give them some opportunity to meet together and network and um, give them some professional development. With our new teacher academy, we had started that, but the grant allowed us to get cognitive coaching training for all of our staff. So we could do some one-on-one coaching with our teachers Research shows that that's that makes a huge difference. Sometimes those teachers, um, there's things you don't learn in your college prep program, and to have someone, um, whether it's a mentor or a coach, to be able to sit down and talk with and get some advice on those things really makes a difference. So we not only do we provide special PD for those teachers, we also give them some opportunities to get some coaching, and then with the leadership network, the first day we had principals in, one of them made the comment, which just solidified that we needed to do this. He said, we spend a lot of our time making sure our teachers get good instruction and growth, and we don't look to ourselves or do that for ourselves. And a lot of times they wear a lot of hats, and so they don't take the opportunity to grow themselves as leaders. And research tells us that Most people stay at their job because of the leaders or managers that they have. It makes a big difference. And so giving our leaders some new tools to just stop and reflect about their practice and themselves and how maybe they can put out some of those fires in their school and not just take care of those all the time, but spend some time on growing themselves. So those were the two big parts of our grant. It's really fun to work with those new teachers because they're so full of energy. And at the same time, we've seen them just really overwhelmed because it's hard to teach them what they're going to see in their classroom or what, how those students are going to behave and those kind of things. So I think that's the benefit of this is just giving those teachers a little bit of extra support along with our principals. So we're excited to collect some data on that as we move through this and see if that if we are keeping our teachers in our area a little bit longer. That's uh, really cool to hear that the data piece is a component of that. Uh, the efforts there with leaderships uh, reminds me of something I heard from Simon Sinek once where he said essentially within organizations you have uh, individuals who rise to leadership roles because they excel at the job itself, but that does not mean that they necessarily have the training or the skill set required to lead the folks who are doing the job itself, right? And that that in and of itself is its own experience. You need you need to learn how to grow as a leader. And so it's awesome that that was a portion of the vision that you all had uh, in response to the request from your region. Uh, again, certainly want to reiterate that with all of these here, that these are efforts made at each ESU according to what they're hearing from uh, the districts and the leadership there uh, within their area. Uh, and then really to go back to it very quickly, and, and this maybe not a necessary point of clarification, but as a first, second, third year teacher, you have individuals who go to professional development, but then there's also cognitive coaching. Can you kind of say how those two maybe play off of one another and why both of those are essential? Uh, Because folks might say, well, uh, haven't these types of things been around or or don't they get professional learning? Yes, and cognitive coaching is a great piece to add in addition to that, why? 
Right. Well, and when they're coming in for professional development, it is just those new teachers, those teachers in those first, second, third years. So we meet before school starts just to kind of talk through some of um, lesson planning and organizing and things that they might need. Then we try and meet with them before parent-teacher conferences so that they are prepared for that if they've got questions on how to do that. We talk about uh, what's appropriate um, ethics-wise. We have a lawyer talk with them, just things that might not be covered. They might have questions about, but then the coaching really comes down to their practice. So some of what we do as a group are general things, but I might be really struggling with my classroom management and I might've had a class on it, but that doesn't, it's really hard to know how to manage your class or deal with behaviors if you're just talking about it or reading it from a book. So we can have our coaches come in the classroom, talk with the teacher, observe a class, offer suggestions that way. So it really gets down to helping them with their practice as far as cognitive coaching goes or just instructional coaching. We call it cognitive because it's a reflective. We try and get them to reflect before we offer suggestions and advice. And we offer that also to the leaders, or to the principals. They can offer for some one-on-one coaching too, if they're just needing some, some help. Sometimes it's more just, I just need someone to bounce ideas off of. Absolutely love that. And so thanks for uh, clearing up the distinction between some of those differing experiences that are all critical to uh, helping our first, second, third year educators thrive, not only at, at that point in their career, but throughout their time in the profession. And so, yeah, uh, moving along, ESU 6, John, um, put you on the spot here again uh, to kind of share a little bit about what's going on in your region as it pertains to this grant. Yeah. So first of all, I think it's really fascinating just to contemplate and reflect a little bit about what ESU 9 partnering with ESU 6 on the Grow Your Own and Educators Rising build out. That is essentially about recruitment. And what Molly described from ESU 8 is really about retention by continuing to build through key professional development, teacher efficacy. So this grant that I'm going to talk about is called Lead Nebraska, and it's really about a different phase, which is building the education leadership pipeline by fostering teacher leaders to think about how they might subsequently pursue education administration when they have demonstrated leadership within their specific local districts. So the grant that we've got, the the backstory on this is we were well situated to submit a proposal to the Department of Ed with this grant project because we had already established a partnership with the University of Nebraska Lincoln Education Administration Department because they wanted to do more boots on the ground connection and direct to district outreach and knew that ESUs are hubs for our local school districts. And we'd also had superintendents and building principals say to us, hey, when we are recruiting for and seeking candidates in ed leadership positions, we sure would love to see deeper pools of qualified applicants for those positions. Yes, they're demanding leadership positions, but we believe on our excellent faculties across our schools that we have teachers who could grow into becoming phenomenal building or district leaders 
and we just need something to galvanize their interest. Can you help us ESU-6? So we had kind of sketched out a framework for what some of that programming might look like. And then the good fortune of the ESSER dollars came available through the Department of Ed. And we're grateful for that because it provided key funding. And I'll explain here in a second how we applied that funding to support the cohort participants in this. So what we did was we developed then across our school districts in the Educational Service Unit 6 area, a nomination process. And the key stakeholders in that are superintendents and principals and uh, try to make widely accessible and communicate information about a submission process through a nominee or candidate interest form from interested participants who've been tapped by a building principal or a district leader, or maybe a leader in another district who sees the promise and potential of this teacher and suggests, hey, complete that nomination form, let's get it out to them. And that's really what we're looking for is people who, as teachers, have a demonstrated interest in pursuing ed ad and or have demonstrated leadership potential within their schools, whether that's through formal means by committee involvement, continuous improvement involvement, leading MTSS, delivering professional development experiences to their colleagues, et cetera, any number of things, or informally. And that has been evidenced through their involvement and their engagement within their specific school districts. And through that, we created this Lead Nebraska program, which is a series of four full-day leadership seminars over the course of the spring semester that are actually taught by Scott Sturgeon. Dr. Sturgeon is an associate professor of practice and veteran building principal who works with the University of Nebraska Lincoln Ed Ad team. And each of those days has a different leadership focus. And we had an initial cohort in the spring of 2023 of 17 participants representing our ESU six districts. And here's how the funding is applied because this is the secret sauce. This is what put it over the top because we had districts and UNL and ESU six who wanted to do this, but man, you gotta have some grease to get this thing going. And the, the WIFM factor, the what's in it for me factor is pretty sweet for these lead Nebraska fellows, i.e. the cohort participants. They get graduate application admission waived. They get initial, check this out, UNL ed ad program credits in an entry or onboarding level course for the education administration program at UNL. That includes tuition and fees paid for through the grant. They get, and this is our other key project partner, Nebraska Council of School Administrators. This brings them in the house. It brings them under the roof. They get together for these meetings at the Nebraska Council of School Administrators HQ, baby, 455 South 11th Street. If you know, you know. So they, you're right, they come in there. They're in that leadership environment. That's really exciting to get NCSA student membership provided to them as a part of the grant. And as stated, they get these seminars taught and facilitated and they're highly participatory, lots of discussion, lots of problem solving, lots of opportunities to kind of rehearse your own leadership elevator speech, develop your leadership acumen through the excellent instruction provided by Dr. Sturgeon and other UNL partners. Cool NDE connection, 
the work that we're doing, very intentional NTPPS aligned, meaning uh, another education acronym, Nebraska Teacher and Principal Performance Standards. So uh, each meeting of that cohort contains a different leadership focus from vision for learning at the start, ending with uh, professional ethics, advocacy, uh, establishing a great culture and climate for learning. So again, that's what we did round one. And our initial outcomes from that first cohort, really powerful based upon the, the qualitative data that we got back, the perceptual data from the cohort participants. They left with a sound understanding and perspective that they are our future leaders. They are seeking further graduate level learning opportunities. They got those initial credits. That's awesome. And basically all affirm that they have a deeper understanding of things like how the state standards, the NTPPS work applies to leaders in Nebraska. So some really cool initial outcomes. We've got a second cohort slated to begin in January and uh, are just really excited to do this all over again and have expanded. Uh, we'll have, I think we've got several nominees from the ESU5 area that'll be participating in it in the spring as well. So yeah, that's LEAD Nebraska. What a valuable experience for those individuals in addition to uh, the networking opportunities that come with the number of connections that are invested in that collective support uh, yeah. so that those folks, when they get into those roles, particularly if they're in a rural area, have a strong, solid group of other education leaders that they can turn to uh, informally to help them grow, exactly. right? Yeah. So relationally, like yeah. the, the relationships that were cultivated across districts in our region among these leaders that was one of the coolest things to observe. New friendships develop. They're expanding their PLN. And we add in this element that's called leadership luminary, okay? So each of the four days has one hour where, boom, hey, that's the big reveal. Here's our special guest for today. And it's like, you know, some phenomenal school leader within the area like Angie Pluggy, uh, director of learning at Waverly Public Schools, District 145 walks in talks about her passion and her past in the principalship and her role now at a, as a district leader. And what that is doing is it is demonstrating these are leaders who are modeling positivity and projecting, hey, I'm you, I'm with you, I'm among you, you see me, I see you, I'm reflecting that you two are leaders. And them seeing that from leaders who are manifesting those traits and characteristics in those standards, you know, just right in front of them, incarnate, in the flesh, sharing and showing what they know as leaders, I think is a really inspiring element of that and something that the cohort participants, uh, you know, when you have a principal as dynamic and knowledgeable as Laura Kroll at Exeter Milligan, talking to them and coming in and sharing resources, that she's developed a bank of principal resources over the years. Super cool and really instills in these future leaders an understanding that they too can do this and do so successfully and enjoy it. That is incredible. And it's great to hear, you know, all across all three of these, the passion that each of you has for the work that you're able to do uh, through this opportunity in support of leaders 
educators, new to the profession educators, uh, students who are aspired to be a part of the profession. Uh, and so as we kind of highlight two more here before we bring things to a close, it's unfortunate we were not able to get everyone on the call today, but certainly would be remiss not to uh, point to efforts that are also taking place at other ESUs in our state. And so Greg Robkey at ESU4 is not with us today, but they certainly have grant work going on there that Molly is going to speak to and kind of represent for us here in our conversation. Yeah, I am happy to do that. ESU 4's grant was coaching for retention. So it was very similar to what ESU 8 is doing, trying to retain teachers. And part of what they did, they also um, had their staff trained in the cognitive coaching process and then provide that opportunity for coaching out to their teachers, um, instructional coaching that way, hoping to reach teachers, give them an opportunity for that one-on-one to improve teacher efficacy, provide some resources, and then in the long run, just retain those teachers. We hear a lot about teacher burnout. And sometimes if you can um, just meet those teachers where they're at and give them a little one-on-one and help them through that, might make all the difference in the world. So I know that they plan to grab some data too and start to track how that coaching is impacting teachers. But once again, great opportunity. The cognitive coaching, uh, we both mentioned it. It's it's a great program to, as me, like a facilitator, when I'm coaching someone, it gives me the tools to ask the right questions, to have that teacher reflect on their own thoughts or um, behaviors or what they did or what happened in their class. And so it's a really reflective type of coaching. And I really, really enjoy that because it's not someone else coming in telling them um, what to do or whatever. It's really thinking with them and kind of walking with them and and, um, offering suggestions if needed. But a lot of times, sometimes we just don't take the time to think through our processes. And so cognitive coaching allows you to do that. So that's a little bit about ESU4's program. Excellent. And uh, and ESU2 also has a program as well with Mitch Hoffer as being the one who's the lead that, uh, again, is unfortunately not able to join us today. But uh, Drew uh, is going to take the opportunity here to share a little bit about that effort. Right. As John mentioned, I think everybody was trying to focus on how do we help our member school districts. And one of the greatest needs they identified in the two region was the shortage of substitutes. I think since COVID, all of us have experienced a great difficulty in trying to identify substitute teachers that uh, can fill the classroom for us when there's a need. They were working with area colleges to try to get students that are juniors and seniors in education programs to fill those substitute teacher needs. So they were assisting their districts by getting those kids certified, first of all, to to get in the classroom, providing assistance to them and professional development to help them be comfortable and successful in the classroom and getting them some extra pay to to do that. And I know they worked with a variety of, of partners in the ESU2 region as far as colleges that they could work with and just really help fill that void of substitute teachers for their member school districts. Oh, makes me so proud to be part of this ESU network. I'm not going to lie. I'm super sincere in saying that in the fact that I just love hearing how there are all of these creative approaches uh, to saying, hey, here's what we're hearing is a need. 
regionally in our state and then finding opportunities to play kind of that connector, I guess, between uh, the opportunity, the partnerships that are out there that could come around that and support uh, and really to serve uh, a multitude of roles that are all critical to student success, right? And to the well-being of our educators and, and the kiddos that are in our classrooms. And I feel like if there is a word from all this, it would be partnership. And so I think that maybe that's uh, a note to bring us home on here. Uh, and so I'm not sure who would like to come to take that role for us, but uh, certainly having heard these five different examples, uh, really just want to make sure that we drive that message home because it is something that uh, is really at the heart of so much of this. Yeah, to, to echo what you were just stating, Andrew, the message here on these Ed Pipeline grants, as with so much of what we do as ESUs, is one of partnership. That is the key word here. When you're working with ESUs, look, we're the people whose report cards consistently back in the day included the comment works well with others. That's what we do because it's what we're about. ESUs are here to partner up to provide service, support, leadership, and every district in Nebraska is served by has a friend in their ESU. We love to play in the sandbox of educational innovation in order to address needs. So keep us in mind. Replicability and sustainability are key elements of all this work. We want to share what works. We're proud to share that and we enjoy and are committed to working with and learning from one another. What a beautiful way to end a great conversation about a lot of amazing work and uh, I'm so proud to be a part of uh, the education community in this state and grateful to the group here uh, for the work that you do each and every day and that you took a little bit of time to share that with us here on the podcast. So uh, thank you to everyone involved with this effort. Uh, best wishes as that gets lived out over the course of this school year and, and hopefully beyond. Uh, certainly thanks to NDE for making these grant opportunities available and everybody that came around that uh, effort and gave uh, the opportunity for this to become a reality in its own way in each of the different regions here represented. And so I think that brings Thanks us to, to a close. You too, oh, Andrew. Thanks to you too, yeah. Andrew, for giving yeah. us voice. I mean, you do yeah. a great job of letting people know what's going on in our different necks of the woods. So thank you. All right. Yeah, thank you. Hopefully it fills everybody's bucket a little bit to know that there's a lot of amazing, that was definitely, I, I'm, I'm going a little off the rails here. It definitely came out from the Educator Shortage Summit was when you put everybody together in a room and you pick your head up and you go, wow, there are a lot of amazing people that are passionately showing up to see things uh, improve in this profession and enhance the work that we're all collectively invested in. And hopefully in its own small way, the podcast gets a chance to do that too. Uh, so uh, keep tuning in uh, to more conversations like this. And thanks to everybody out there who's connecting and we'll keep showing up. Hey.